Welcome, 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 folks, back to another electrifying, stunning, amazing. We're going to call it whatever we want because it's my podcast, and that's how I do things here on episode number 219 of YWC Football Talk. As always, presented by Cryer Media and available on all Cryer Media outlets. They take a swift jig, wait, a swift jig of water. I'm here to say today that, look, Tuesday we had fun. We got to talk Patriots. Pat was on here. We had some fun. Talked about a lot of different things involving the Patriots. But today we're shifting gears a little bit. We're shifting gears for one purpose and one purpose only. Because I'm a man of the people and I'm a man of all 32 teams. And sometimes you have to talk to your rivals. And today we're going to be doing just that. Why? Because Greg Thompson of Cover One Sports and the host of the newly founded Greg Thompson podcast will be here. So join Greg and I as we do a little bit of a deep dive into the Bills as it's something we have not talked about in a while. This will also be Greg's first time coming on here by himself as it's usually him, Big Rat, and I. But Big Rat had other commitments tonight. But with that being said, I'm here to announce that Big Rat 310 will be on here next week to talk Miami Dolphins and NFL in general with me. Probably coming out Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. Also, we have some plans for WrestleMania, and also I can confirm that at Patriots POV will be back on the show in a little bit. He will be back on probably after Patriots free agency. So you know what? McGarvin and I are going to talk it up. Hopefully the Patriots do some good, but today so far, you know what? I'm here to say this, and I'm here to say this now. It's combine week. Don't get too excited. I know Nolan Smith ran a 4.44, which is absurd for a D lineman and showing that those guys truly have speed and truly have everything. But I'm here to say right now, like whenever someone's draft stock goes up, I'm like saying, don't do it based off of 40. You got to do it based off the raw, aggressive talent that you see. These guys, I don't know too much about Nolan Smith. That's just me. But I'm here to say, if he's got the rest of it, kid's going to be a star. It's my show. I can do what I want. But anyway, um, like I said, we have a great show. Uh, Greg's going to talk bills. Maybe we'll talk some Sabres too. Um, I got a little surprise for Greg, too. That's going to be coming up in a bit whenever he joins the show. Um, But for now, for now, I'm also here to say, as you guys know, I'm here to make an announcement. I know I'm vamping a lot, but I'm just waiting for Greg to get here. The week, last week of March, first week of April. For most people, it's like a normal week. It is what it is. But as you guys know, the W in YWC stands for wrestling. And the last week of March, first week of April, is always one of the biggest weeks of the year for wrestling fans. That week is going to be WrestleMania. We will be doing a live, exclusive WrestleMania predictions podcast for WrestleMania 39 coming out the last week of March. It'll be coming out before both nights when WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Guests are being worked on right now. I got a lot of surprises for that one. So it's going to be good. It's going to be worth checking out. You know what? It's going to be cool. Take the gears away from football. Obviously, if you guys don't know me from YouTube, I had a podcast called No Holds Barred. Lasted for on and off about a year. We didn't really go anywhere. We didn't get that far. But we're bringing the wrestling back. We're going to do a, a wrestling dedicated podcast because it is like the wrestling Super Bowl. That's the best way to describe WrestleMania. It's at SoFi Stadium. It's two nights. 70,000 people each night. Packed inside SoFi Stadium. I think that's what the attendance is. You can quote me on that if I'm wrong. But I'm going to ask some of my wrestling friends to come on. We're going to talk some wrestling. We're going to talk some matches. When I say live, because I think I'm going to take this bad boy live. Audio will be available later on. But for this, this is a podcast like no other. 
because it's YWC football talk because <coughs> because it's a show that I've put three years of pretty hard work into. It's kind of weird to think that three years ago the pandemic started and I was podcasting regularly, but I'm going to give you guys a bit of a side hint. If you want to have a successful podcast, got to be committed. And I'm going to tell you right now, some some weeks between now and the draft, there's going to be one show. Some weeks are going to, there's going to be two shows, like there is today, like this week. There's going to be, and then obviously I'm going to go on a break. A break is going to come when I don't know, but it will be sometime in the summer months. But I'm going to have content that I'll bank, so I'll work extra hard just so you guys have stuff to listen to while I'm gone because I want to keep the content flowing because, like we said, we're at 219 today. The goal is to get to 250 by kickoff. Last year, I tried to get to 200 by kickoff. That didn't work. I think 250 by kickoff, though, is very, very doable. And if I can do one of the season preview shows as 250, then so be it. God, God's coming to the top of my throat, too. I don't know what's going on. It's just, oh, out of all the times for something to go wrong, it's it's right now. It's it's We're in the here and now. So you know what, guys? Sit back, relax, and you know what? For old time's sake, do we play it? No, we're not going to. We're, we're, we're not going to. No, we're not going to play it now. Um, sorry. Sometimes you gotta text people because it's my show, and also too because I'm vamping like crazy because I thought it was a good idea. Hey, let's start before Greg goes on. But you know what? We're in the here and now, and also I want to address something. I want to address something. Obviously, the Patriots are my team, and obviously they're in the news for a receiver. There was a report that came out today that said they're not going to use 14 for a receiver, and I agree with that because I don't think there's a receiver worth taking at number 14. The receiver class this year is still good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it is what it is. It's it For the amount of raw talent that's going to be available, you can either wait till probably the back half of the first round or day two and day three. But with that being said, folks, we're going to switch shift gears now. Why? Because from cover one, from the Greg Thompson Sports show, and I'm gonna do this for you because I have the doll and I've done this before. We're gonna get my little friend Saber to the ball <laughs> that I got at a Sabres game earlier this year because Greg is here and Greg is slowly getting to know hockey. I'm working on it, I'm working on it. It's definitely a work in progress. Uh, tonight's been an ugly one for the Sabres, but uh, they're they're coming along, they're a good young team, and it's been a lot of fun, and obviously. A lot of people that I'm close to are very passionate about the Sabres. I didn't grow up a hockey guy, so, you know, it's been fun trying to learn what the heck is going on out on the ice. Yeah, that's that's just the thing, because hockey's always been, like, my number one. Obviously, look, we have the football show, and we're here to talk football, but I've, it's like I've got hockey and maple syrup in my veins, so I've got I live north of the border. <laughs> but, no, um, Buffalo's a team. It's, it's kind of weird. Like, obviously, Bills, like, look, there's the rivalry there, Patriots-Bills, sure. but then with the Sabres, they're that team that I'm like, I, I, I can't, like, like there's just something about him that just like pulls me towards them for some reason. Yeah, we appreciate it. I'll take all the support we can get. It's uh, I, I think that you know obviously there's a lot of debate in the fan base right now about whether they should do something before the trade deadline. I've been kind of poking around like, hey, if we do something at the trade deadline, just an FYI, tonight's likely the first round playoff matchup. So 
does it really matter? Like, like, what? like, it's fine. It, I, I understand sending a message to the locker room and wanting to reinforce that we believe in you guys, but don't sacrifice anything long-term. This is not a, not anything that's going to be doing anything this year. You know, we'll, we'll see where it goes beyond that. I'm more of wait for free agency, maybe do something small if the opportunity presents itself, but don't do a crazy move. Like you see the Leafs, the Rangers, teams of like that elk, even Tampa, Boston, for yeah. example, that elk, don't do that now. Wait till the summer because they do have money to spend. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. But that's just me. And also a fun betting tip, guys. If you want to make some money this weekend, Sabres are wearing their goat heads on Saturday. Mm. Bet the over. Go, bet the over when the goat heads are on. That's all I'm gonna say. Lots um, of goals. Look, this might be more fun for me to do than for you to do, but we have not we haven't talked in a while. Obviously, yeah. it's just you and I tonight. But I want you to walk me through basically not the game in general, but just the season and how I feel that did it feel more of a reality check or a gut punch when you guys had your early exit from the playoffs? So obviously it, it was definitely getting, you know punched in the mouth, kicked in the nuts, whatever you want to call it. Um, it was a horrible ending to the season. It's also, you know, they had had pretty good injury luck the previous couple of years. They definitely skid, you know, skidded into the finish there that, you know, I don't know exactly how that game would have gone, but if you give me Von Miller, Micah Hyde and Daquan Jones, I'll take a shot at it again. You know, I, I'll you know feel like, Hey, maybe that could have gone differently. Cincinnati was playing well. They deserve the win. They, kick them in the teeth they 100 percent won that game but there were you know some of that stuff kind of starts to snowball when you have it start going wrong so i think the difference between there and you and you ask about like the wake-up call idea so the difference between the year before when it was trading haymakers with kansas city coming down to a coin toss and trying to yeah having literally the you know statistically the greatest playoff game in nfl history against the patriots and then trading haymakers with kansas city it was easy to tell yourself hey just run it back we, we might have been the best team in the league if, if that happens again you know we probably have a higher likelihood of winning a super bowl than anybody else it just we lost the coin toss so i there's a piece of me that is almost more relieved in that hey we just got kicked in the teeth what we were doing was not good enough we need to go back and to do more than tweak to do more than just run it back we need to you know reevaluate some things here now you don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater you know when you're coming back with a team that has Josh Allen Stefan Diggs you know Matt Milano Trey White Micah Hyde Von Miller you know a lot of talented people coming back there's plenty to feel good about. We don't need to completely revamp the scheme, completely change everything that we're doing. But hopefully it was enough of a wake-up call that they say, hey, what we're doing isn't good enough. We need to make some changes. We need to invest heavily in the offensive line to protect Josh Allen. We need to get another dynamic weapon. We need um, additional pass rushers to be able to help some of these things. So I'm that's the only solace I can take. It was an embarrassing game. They got, you know, destroyed from start to finish. They got dominated at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. My only solace is hopefully it was embarrassing enough that it gets them to make some of the changes needed to be able to kind of break through and move forward. 
I I really like how you put everything. I like how you basically summarized it all up to where last year was, like you said, you had the, just like you said, every, I'm not going to say everything went right, but you guys just like proved, hey, you're this team, you, you beat us. Then, like you said, it was a heavyweight fight against the Chiefs. And then this year too, where even going back to the regular season, obviously we're not going to talk about week 17. We're just glad that he's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the Patriots game even felt like a little closer than I thought until the second kickoff return touchdown. You guys kind of fought tooth and nail with Miami. And then Cincinnati kind of came along where I like how the gut punch and the reality check is more for the fan base than the players. Because I remember how you said it. It's completely foreign. Joe Miller said it to me where it's like wildest dreams land. He's coined and phrased. I know Bill's (laughs) mafia as a whole has coined that term a lot. But where I like it is from, and, and this is going to sound weird, but I feel a lot of Brady Patriot-esque quotes there where it's like, hey, we have to get better. We're going to learn from this loss, and we're going to get better. It's no longer a, we're just glad to be here and make it to the divisional round year in and year out. you got to know, hey, what do we need to do to make that next step? And that's something yeah. that you that separates people from a playoff team to a championship caliber team. And I'm not saying last year's team wasn't. But I just feel like the mindset of the fan base and even the team and the executives can go a long way into determining that into, hey, will the Bills be in Las Vegas next year? And there's there's a piece of me that actually doesn't mind the shift we're going to see because everybody can go back in time six months. Last summer, everyone was picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. They were like a weirdly heavy Vegas favorite from a betting standpoint, it was yeah. a weird amount of people had them as their Super Bowl team. It it felt really uncomfortable that I don't, and don't get me wrong, there were, there were reasons for that. And again, if everybody stays healthy, I'll take a shot with that team again. I think it was a really talented roster. Um, But I don't mind the fact that, you know, now there's going to be a ton. Of, I'll guarantee it. I'll call my shot now. This offseason, there's going to be a ton of people asking are the bills frauds are the bills paper tigers are the bills you know uh you know all regular season and and are never going to pull anything off that's great i'll take that all day long i will take that all day long that you know lower the expectations let them put a chip on their shoulder have it shift back to oh they're just buffalo again they don't matter i'll believe it when i see it that's great i would much rather that than everybody's picking them to win the super bowl so um, we'll see where it goes. They obviously need to make some improvements. We need to be able to, you know, sign some people in free agency, have a good draft. They've had a bunch of like singles and doubles drafts the last couple of years. Like they've had some players have gotten, some, but they haven't hit a home run since the yeah. Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, like since uh, uh, Taron Johnson, that kind of draft class. So now needing it to really hit some big swings here. I'm looking forward to having that challenge and having that in front of them because I think they need to be challenged. I think that they were riding a little high last year. And I also really like you saying the whole, you know what, hey, there's not this big expectations on us because I remember last year when everyone was high on the Bills, this is part me being a division rival. This is part me being a football realist where I kept saying to myself, and I I hate myself not putting a futures on it because it would have been right. I kept saying number 15 exists and I feel like no one was talking about him and look what he just did. I'm not saying... Obviously, it's different. I just feel like it was that, and and obviously, I'm going to revolve everything back to Tom because it's happened. He did it year in, year out. But I just felt like the same sort of thing for years, where there was a new team in the AFC, and everyone was like, "This is going to be the team to dethrone the Patriots." Yada yada yada. And then you snap your fingers, and Tom was champ. And then we did the same thing with Patrick this year. We snapped our fingers, and he's champ. 
Um, one player I actually really want to talk to you about because it's a player I was high on going to the season. But do you think what happened, and more specifically in the Kansas City game, put more expectation on Gabe Davis and more pressure for him to succeed than people think? Or do you think that that game just kind of playoff Gabe, as we'll call it, basically just made people think that, hey, he is a true number two? Or where do you see that situation? And one other thing I want to say quickly, for all those digs rumors, I looked at that dead cap and I'm saying there's no, he's not getting, that's just one thing I look at where I'm like, I know you know cap numbers and I know you're probably going to talk about this. I just don't see a world where he gets dealt at the moment. Um, So first I'll address that one. Uh, If there's a Cowboys fan listening, listening closely. Um, If tomorrow Stefan Diggs comes out and says, I'm never playing for the Buffalo Bills ever again. The only way I'll play is if you trade me to the Dallas Cowboys. They're still not trading him. Yeah. Like there's 37 million reasons why they can't trade him. It would be a $37 million dead cap hit to a team that's already $16.5 million over the cap. So they are absolutely unequivocally not trading Stefan Diggs. Now we can move on. Who has to pay a wide receiver of their own, by the way? Correct. Correct. It's crazy. So um, Gabe Davis, he's going about to go into the last year of his rookie deal, coming off of. You know, one of the greatest playoff games in history. The dude had 200 yards and four touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs. It, it obviously set some incredibly unfair expectations. And yeah. I will say, no one thought, oh, he's going to go for 200 yards and four touchdowns again. But I'll give some examples. It ridiculously skewed some of you guys know, and people listening here, and, and you, Griff, know some of those guys in the like fantasy community yeah. that really dive into those like points per route run and efficiency and, and some of those different stats. It it made Gabe's numbers off the charts. His EPA was ridiculous because he had a ton of touchdowns yeah. and he had a ton of deep shots. So it was like, oh, well, if they just extrapolate that out and give him 120 targets instead, he could be amazing. I had Bills fans telling me, Gabe Davis made Stefan Diggs expendable that offseason. That maybe we should do a Tyreek Hill and trade Stefan Diggs while we still can because we have Gabe Davis. So everybody at cover one kept going through, like, hey guys, settle down. He's he's good. He has a limited route tree. He's a very good deep outside receiver. He's a very good contested catch guy. He's got some inconsistent hands. But he's good. He can be a number two receiver. Um, And he, again, if you look two years ago, he was in like that second tier of number two receivers. If you ranked all the number two receivers in the NFL, he was in that range of like ninth to 16th. So above average, but not in the best ones. Well, guess what? This past year, if you ranked all the number two receivers, he was like between ninth and 16th. And he was like the second tier of number two receivers. But people had convinced themselves that we had a Jamar Chase T. Higgins situation or a Tyreek Hill Jalen Waddle situation or one of the or a DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett, even that we had two number ones and it just depended on which game it was going to be which guy. And like, no, Stefan Diggs is by far the number one receiver. And then Gabe Davis is a fine number two. I would love if he was a number three guy. I would love if we had a stud slot receiver that got more targets than Gabe Davis, but Gabe Davis has his, you know, every once in a while, Gabe Davis is going to have a 
three catch for a hundred and forty yard game because he has two sixty yarders. Like he, that's just going to happen sometimes. Um, I just I think that that might be what he is. I think he's just a good wide receiver two and would be an elite wide receiver three. I and for fantasy purposes, he's a really good flex player. Like that's where I was always yeah. putting him this year. Your wide receiver three in fantasy, your flex player position, even too. Like I remember he caught the first touchdown of the season. And for fantasy, I'll admit, I was high on him for fantasy. I'm not saying anything bad about him, but you're, you nail there all the points where if you look at your number twos, he's that middle of the pack kind of guy where he'll have those boom moments, but then he'll have those moments where, you know what, he has a quiet game. Because I feel like everyone takes the bigger sample size and will just yeah. be like, hey, he can do this X consistently amounts. I feel like for him, there's kind of that weird, maybe, you know, hey, Dawson Knox-ish element to it to where when people stop talking about him and realize, hey, where is this guy? And then all of a sudden towards the back half of the season, Dawson Knox like just turned up out of nowhere and decided, hey, I know how to play football again. Um, I do agree with you because, look, our I feel like for as different as our teams are, I feel like the situations are very similar in the sense of where we're both offensive line needing, wide receiver needy, maybe defensive back. Because I know for you guys, DP is a big question, taking Jordan Poyer out of it. Even I'm, I want to take DeMar Hamlin out of it because I've said this from the moment that he was hurt. I don't want to entertain the will he play football again conversation until he was heart healthy again, which like it was great seeing him at the Super Bowl. It was great seeing it at the NFL honors. I don't want to entertain that conversation about yeah, him in the lineup to, until, yeah. To interject on that, that, for anyone who isn't aware, I think it's now pretty clear he's going to have a normal life. Like yes. he's going to be able to have a normal adult life. Like you and him, I. And have everything like that. I still. I also believe he's probably at the point where it's going to be up to him if he wants to play football. I actually think there's going to be no medical reason that he can't play football. But I will believe he's ready to run up and tackle Derrick Henry when I see it. Like, I I just – I can't get it in my mind that someone who experienced that is going to be ready to run up and hit another adult running full speed – and not have that in his mind. So I am not planning on having DeMar Hamlin, but I'm open to it if that's what he chooses. Yeah, I was basically just saying, like, I, it's more or less, hey, the ball's in his court. He can do whatever he wants. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I was actually down in Buffalo this past weekend because I was actually at the Sabres oh, Capitals nice. game Sunday. Um, went to East Aurora, had the best chicken wings of my life ever there. I think you know where I went. Um and I saw still there's Hamlin Avenue there and they had a little sign of him. And then there's yeah. still a very nice mural of him in Larkinville. Um, and for folks who, those who you don't know out there, if you're ever in East Aurora, the place is called Barbell Tavern, amazing oh, wings, great blue cheese. My favorite on earth. Cajun honey butter barbecue is the flavor mm-hmm. that I got. And I suggest you guys get too. But yeah, that's the thing I just want to say is that, Hey, look, the, that there's still acknowledging him and everything like that. It's great to see. And even too, in the sports stores and stuff, you'll see his Jersey for sale. So you know what? It's great to see. It's great to rally. And now I want to shift gears because this is something I've actually talked to Joe about. Him and I talked about this last summer, actually last spring when I got there. But you're the person who broke the photos of the renderings. I'll be honest with you. The design is interesting. It's just the only thing that I took from it is just I want to know how different it's going to look from what the pictures are to like how it is now. Because I know the stadium is pretty much going from where if you look at the current stadium, it's going to be on the northwest corner. So I know, obviously, look, you're in Ohio and everything like that, but I got to feel like this fan base is just the more they see it, the more exciting it gets that, hey, you're getting a new stadium. And also, I said this last year, too. He Actually, Joe said this to me. 
the fact that you guys are where you are makes it like almost that much sweeter. Like, you know, if it's, this was like 10 years ago, I don't think it would have the same impact as it does now. Yeah. People would be a lot less excited about their tax dollars paying for a stadium than they yeah. are right now when the team's pretty good. Uh, so yeah, they certainly hit on good timing to, to get that right. Um, I think that the pictures we've seen are as legitimate as any architectural renderings are. I, I believe that the, in the grand scheme of it, that's roughly what it's going to look like. Of course, that's not exactly what it's going to look like. There's no. going to be things that come up between now and then. But I believe the general idea of, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's going to be an open air but halo stadium. So yeah. like it's going to have like coverings all the way around it. Not like the old Cowboys stadium that far in, but all, like most of the fans are going to be covered by a halo over top. It's going to have that reverberating sound back in like Seattle stadium does, but Seattle has two wings along the side and the bills is going to go all the way around. If you, if anyone's an EPL fan and, and watches premier league, uh, Tottenham hotspur, that it's the same stadium that they have there. So, and it's the same, uh, but bills will play this year. <laughs> yeah. They, yes. The, the same architects that designed that Populous is the architecture firm that was hired. That's the stadium they built. So there's going to be a lot of similarities there. I, I think it's going to have a lot of the modern amenities that we now expect. There's some things with the Bill Stadium where if you've ever been there, I have. It doesn't look super high from the outside. And then you go in and realize, oh, is because it's way down in the ground. Like the field is actually way below ground level. Because of that, the way the wind comes across, it creates this crazy vortex down in there because the wind comes straight across and there's nothing blocking it. Well, now if the stadium sits up higher and they're using, I don't know, these fancy futuristic panels on the outside that are perforated, um, almost like if you looked like a mesh, a metal idea of mesh that kind of lets the wind go in and dissipate, it's supposed to, I have no idea, I believe them, that it's supposed to what it's do, that the fact that it sits up higher and yeah. it has that mesh, it's supposed to dissipate a lot of what used to come in and whip up over top and come down in that that's going to help lessen it. And then you also talk about the halo over top. It's going to help lessen that. So it should be a more protected and pleasant environment inside. They also have a lot more ambient heaters inside. So it's supposed to be a little bit better there. So it's supposed to be a mix of the modern amenities, everything that we expect when we go to modern stadiums, but still the outdoor feel of a football game in Buffalo. So I'm hopeful that it ends up close to that. I certainly wouldn't have minded if it had a retractable roof. I actually didn't want a dome. Um, I would have been cool with a retractable roof where you could use that when needed, but it ain't my money. So what, you know, what am I going to tell them? They should have spent another $600 million out of their pocket. Or I think a, a 600 million was a dome. A billion more was the retractable roof. So yeah, what's another billion dollars? You know, so I, I'm excited about it. I think it's gonna be really nice. 2026 is a long ways off. Yeah, uh, we got a little ways before that's gonna happen. But uh, I'm excited about it, and and we'll you know finally have. It's one of the worst in-game experiences in the NFL. It is a really outdated old stadium. It there's it just doesn't have any of the modern thing. I've been to games in Atlanta. I've been to games in Baltimore. I've been to games in Dallas. I've been, I haven't been to LA. I've been um, to Dallas. I've been to Vegas. I've been to a, like a lot of the new stadiums. It's so nice. It's such a cool experience. It's such like 
that's what it should be like when you're paying the money it costs to go to a professional sporting event. Um, and Buffalo just doesn't have that. So I'm excited for them to at least catch back up to the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like, Hey, when Bill's fans go to other stadiums and they're like, Hey, now we get this. And now I feel like after that, it's Kansas city is the um, only stadium that I think, I think they should get a new one, but we'll cross the bridge on a later date. Um, the only thing I want to say about the stadium too, is I knew about the in ground part and that the stadium is well below ground. So that's why you don't see it from the highway and that the new one you're going to see it. It's going to be, instead of drive up and boom, it's going to be a boom from miles and miles away. Um, so I didn't see their grades for the NFLPA, obviously, with everything that came out. Mm. But did Buffalo rank well for a lot of the stuff? or did? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, and, and I'll tell you, obviously, this is the first time it's ever been public. They've yes. only been doing it for two years here. We heard rumors of it last year. This is the first time we've seen the report card and the scorecard. Yes. If we go back five, six years ago, prior to McDermott and Bean, the investments in the workout facility, the requirements that they had, and if you went back to the Ralph Wilson area, I don't know if we would have been Washington, who was like F minuses in almost everything, but we would have been bottom four. We would have been one of the worst teams in the league. So here we end up scoring ninth. Um, we were number one in multiple, which is the Bills have the nicest uh, like workout facility and training and health and wellness facility in the NFL. Like multiple players that have come, like when Cole Beasley came from Dallas to Buffalo, he was like, holy crap, I didn't think anything could be nicer than Dallas, and this is better. <laughs> um, it's awesome. Like it's really, really nice state-of-the-art stuff. Um, their food was really, really good. Their uh, family arrangements and things they do for families graded really, really well. I think they were average in travel. Um, they, they make some of the rookies and young guys share a room. And they there was maybe something else they could do where they were just pretty good. Um, but they didn't have below like a B minus in anything. Mm-hmm. And they were above average and everything. And they were number one in two of the areas. So ninth overall, that's such a, like, you know, I don't know if you guys remember a couple of years ago at the pro bowl, they do kind of a free agent anonymous survey type thing of like which places you'd want to go and which places you wouldn't want to go. And Buffalo was literally Siberia. Like it was, it ranked last multiple times that just no one wanted to go there for any reason. And at least now it's, oh, hey, I'd consider going there. We still got to pay a lot of money. We don't get discounts. But before, even if we were willing to pay money, there were people that were like, nope, absolutely not. I'm not going there no matter what. And now at least we're on like even footing (laughs) that people (laughs) will be willing to come here. So I'll take it. And every once in a while, People now, maybe they want to go play with Josh Allen. And maybe that's something cool. We haven't, we haven't ever had that before. So I'm, I'm at least excited about that. And that survey reinforced all the investment and everything that's been there that anonymously NFL players voted and had us ninth in the NFL to a top 10 environment they'd want to be a part of. I'll take that. Yeah, meanwhile, the only one I remember off the top of my head, which the Patriots ranked a little bit bat- worse in was um... – Travel, which I didn't understand because aircraft is a thing and family arrangements because apparently there's not like a family room at Gillette Stadium, which I, I can't comment on, even though we're doing a $230 million renovation and people yeah. are mad about prices for tickets going up. And I'm here like they, they got to pay for the new lighthouse somehow. Um, before we go, a couple quick questions for you. Um, is there a player for one, two things, free agency? Is there a player crush that you'd love to see come to Buffalo and draft? Is there a player that you have your eyes circled on? Okay. Um, 
So I'm not going to go crazy that like, oh, I think we should go out and the, like name the top guy. Oh, I wanted realistic. I didn't want like um, this cuckoo just like. <laughs> I do think if the Bills splurge in one area of free agency, it could be the guard market. I think that we could get in on Ben Powers, Dalton Reisner, Nate Davis, like that ballpark. Maybe we don't get into a bidding more on, on Isaac Samalu, but that next tier of like seven to nine million dollar guards, I think that's probably the space we play in. I expect us to keep Tremaine Edmonds, but if we don't, I do think we dabble in some Levante David, but Bobby Wagner, like veteran band-aid kind of guy. Maybe we sign one of those guys and draft a Jack Campbell or someone like that. Um, switching over to the draft. God, I desperately want one of those wide receivers. I want one of those top five. I don't care if it's Hyatt. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba myself. That's my number one. Um, but I, if it's Hyatt, if it's Trey Flowers, if it's Smith and Jigba, just give me one of those stud receivers. I don't care which one. Uh, Qu- heck, I, Quentin Johnson isn't even like a perfect fit for Buffalo. I screw it. That's fine. Just give me one of those studs. Um, there are some other guys in that next tier, you know, uh, Josh Downs, some of those kind of guys that I'd also be cool with. But if if we can get one of those top four receivers, I'd love it. If we can't, and all four of those go, maybe that means one of the stud tackles or other offensive linemen comes. I want the Bills' first four picks to be receiver, offensive line, receiver, offensive line. Just protect Josh Allen and give him weapons. All the things on offense, that's all I care right now. I know. I feel like we're in the same position for that sense. I love how you went guard because I'm almost like, oh, thank God, because Patriots, we need tackle. We have guard positions. Guards are secured for us. We have Michael Owen and we have Cole Strange. Tackles. And then wide receiver, I like that pick just from where you guys are because I feel like in the 20s, you're going to be able to get the wide receiver because I don't think – I'm not saying it's strong, but I just think other positions are just so much more ranked to where wide res- there's going to be someone good available in the 20s. So if he's there for Buffalo – Take him or take the best available player for a position of need this year. But before we go, look, obviously people know where to find you. They know your Twitter handle. I want to hear about the sports show. I want to hear what you do. Tell the people what's going on because, look, you're a busy man with a lot going on. No, I appreciate it very much. So obviously (laughs) I've worked very hard to build, uh, help build Cover One with my partners. Um, We believe in it very, very much. I've worked very hard on my reputation from – you know, contract projections and salary cap and my nerdy financial side of things. Um, But it's funny, after a couple of years of doing that, what is a valuable niche, and and I, again, I appreciate it. I am very, very um, appreciative and, and honored that people come to me with questions like that. You know, sometimes it gets a little boring that that's all people come to you with or like what you're known for. And I love sports. I love all sports. I love March Madness and NBA basketball. And I'm getting back into baseball a little bit. I was I, I like come to us. the 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 new rule changes might as well have been, hey, guys, why did Greg stop watching baseball? Can we go fix those things? It's perfect. Like every <laughs> like the DH, the pace of play, more steals, more offense, stopping the, the shift, all that stuff is like literally my biggest issues with baseball. I'm super excited. Um, I'm learning about hockey and, and having a good time making fun of myself. Um, but I just I love all sports. I'm a sports fanatic and I wanted to have an outlet where I could just ramble and talk about other fun things and, and be a little more lighthearted and goofy and, and just have some fun. So, um, you know, obviously, I, you know, I don't expect a lot of folks listening to you right now or looking for my bills takes, but I am having a good time with the other stuff. You guys are welcome to come on over. It's a good time. Friday nights at nine o'clock. Uh, search for the Greg Thompson Sports Show on Cover One. We've had a good time. We're about to have our third episode on Friday night. 
uh, but we're off to a great start and have gotten a lot of very, uh, you know, flattering feedback. It's been very, very nice and we're having fun with it. I love to hear it. Love to hear it. Uh, give it a f- listen, folks. Like you said, on cover one, cover one, even though Patriots and the Bills don't like each other, YWC football talk and sport with Cryer Media and cover one have a good relationship as I've had now had two cover one people on my show with Greg and Chris Kepner. And also I've appeared on one of their Buffalo Bills watch along. So, you know what, guys, check out the show. And if you ever need a hockey guy, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. I know I host a football podcast, but look, I know hockey. And also, too, to the fact as well, I play the sport, gamble the sport, watch the sport, and live and die by the sport because my team, well, they left to give me heartache year in and year out. But anyway, guys, like I said before to you when I was rambling before Greg got here, we're on the road to 250. Last time Greg was here, it was 199. This is 219. I'll see you next week, and we're going to have to do this again. You, me, we'll probably have to get Big Rat involved next time. There are some conflicts tonight. But you know what? The three of us, we got six months to go at it with one another. But have a good night, everybody. Can't believe it's already March. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.